Morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. What are, you, what are you hoping to get this Christmas? Like, what is on your Christmas list? Uh, go ahead and shout it out because somebody next to you might be listening and you might get it. So go ahead. What, uh, tell me. A cowboy hat. Man, this guy back here is always a problem with the cowboys. Same thing every week. Uh, anybody else besides a cowboy hat? Because um, I could throw that in my fire place. Anybody? Something. Go ahead. iPad, very good, very good. Anybody else? At least lean over and whisper to the person next to you what you want, right? Okay, all right, fantastic. Here's the thing. All right, Google just released. After trillions and trillions of searches, Google just released this. 2016, number one most searched for thing on Google. Do you have any idea what it was, anybody? Number one search for thing on Google, 2016. Trillions of searches. Go ahead, shout it out. What do you think it might be? What could it be? Hmm? IPhone. iPhone. Okay. Anybody else? You're out of ideas. Soccer. Okay. Lawyers. It's been a tough year, hasn't it? It's been a tough year. I understand. It's been a tough year. Powerball. Number one search for thing for 2016 after trillions of searches, Powerball. So we all know what some people want. Actually, what a bunch of us seem to want after trillions of searches, the number one thing is Powerball. Well, I'll tell you, something is on Grace Community Church's uh, Christmas list, and this is something that I want to share with all of you, and uh, hopefully you can put it on your prayer Christmas list as well. We need space. We need space, Yes. We have talked about this during the course of 2016, and without getting into all the details, it's going to look like while they build an elementary school in that parking lot, where the majority of us park in that parking lot, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to be here during the two years of while they build that elementary school. And so we need a miracle, like a miracle on 34th Street. We need a miracle. And so we're asking, would you add that to your Christmas prayer list? God, would you help us? Would you give us space? We had somebody from uh, Grace recently go down to Haiti and uh, visited the uh, city of Jeremy where we partner with a church that's in that city. And that church actually has 21 locations, 21 locations. And during the hurricane, they lost all of them. So that put in perspective, I think we have a problem. (laughs) They have a much bigger, they lost all 21 locations. So yes, we're asking you to pray about this, but uh, put in perspective, it's not like we lost 21 locations. So thank you very much. Now, quick review. Christmas, the Christmas story. Is it just a sweet little story or is there a much deeper meaning to it? Is it really the story about how broken lives get fixed? Sometimes we sanitize that Christmas story and it's nice and it's clean and Jesus isn't in a feeding trough, he's in a manger and the shepherds are all cleaned up and everybody's happy. But it was a rough, raw, real story and it was real for a reason. It is the story of how broken lives get fixed. And so just a quick review before we read the scripture for this week. We're talking about two things. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this. We said, first of all, proximity. We said there's broad agreement on this, broad agreement on how broken lives get fixed, how broken relationships get fixed. We said this, proximity. You've got to cross over. That's Christmas. Jesus takes on a human body, human flesh. And some of us believe that, and some of us don't. And the challenge, I've said, for these four weeks 
leading up to Christmas? What if we all believed it? What difference would it make in our lives and in the world? And there's broad agreement. First step, best step in the right direction. When we have a broken relationship, what do we normally do? We polarize, don't we? We get over in our corner. I'm not going to talk to you. Ever happened to you in a relationship? I'm not talking to you. We pull away from people, don't we? Just yesterday, I listened to Martin Luther King's final Christmas message before he was assassinated. You know what he talked about? He talked about this. He talked about proximity. said, we are going to be, he says, fools unless we come together. So we got to come together, and that's Christmas. Christmas is God entering the world in human flesh, and there's broad agreement. That's how you fix broken things. Second thing we talked about last week is power. What it takes is somebody who's in a position of power to come down and help other people who are experiencing an injustice and to make things right. Proximity, power, both of them begin with the letter P, which is great for preachers. We love how things kind of line up like this. I have a third P for you today. Dave and Brenda are going to read it uh, to us this morning, so here we go. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. The, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thanks, Dave and Brenda. We appreciate that this morning. So, light. Why does uh, light, light play such a big role 
in the Christmas message. This is what I want to talk about this morning. We'll use this in just a few moments. Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We have Christmas lights. Maybe some of you like Christmas lights. You like to put Christmas lights up on your tree or outside. Christmas lights really frustrate me. They all get tangled. It's a problem. We have lights in our window, half work, half don't. I spend half of my Christmas time trying to figure it out with the bulbs and the fuses and everything else. The big frustration. Why the light theme? Matthew chapter 2, the Magi everybody. The Magi see this light and they head towards the light and they just keep going. And here, you might not know this. We think they traveled at least a year through a desert. There's a lot of problems in deserts, okay? If you didn't know that, if you haven't hung out in a desert often, there's a lot of problems in deserts. And they head for a whole year towards this light because they're seeking, seeking, seeking the light. And we're told this, they come from the east. In other words, they're coming from the east and they're heading west. Maybe you picked up on this. Maybe you haven't if you happen to have read the first couple of chapters of the Bible. But we're told that when relationships went south, east, west, south, you almost need a compass to figure out this message today. When relationships go south, in Genesis chapter 3, we're told this, that people headed to the east. And every time there's a continual movement to the east. It's interesting, like away from the light, away from the garden, away from where God was. We just keep going east. And so Adam and Eve, they have a major relationship breakdown between them. And then their two sons, Cain and Abel, right? They have this major problem between the two of them. God says to Cain, hey, look, step into the light, deal with your problem. He's like, no. And so he destroys his problem, which is his brother. He kills his brother, Abel. And, and then where does he go? Where do you think he What direction do you think he heads in after that takes place? East. East is this way. <laughs> he said he said in east. And so the Magi, where do they go? When the story begins of Jesus Christ, they come from the east and they're heading west. And they're pursuing the light and they're stepping into the light. Light plays this major, major role in the Christmas story. Well, see, here's the thing. What does light represent then? What exactly does it represent? Light represents the truth. So we say these, like, finally I've seen the light, or finally that person has seen the light. No, they come to knowledge. They've come to the, they've finally seen the, the raw and the real truth. They've stepped into it. They've accepted it. They've seen it. Light represents the truth. The truth, everybody, light reveals the problem. If you like to write things down, this is really important. Light reveals the problem. If you want to write that in the back of your bulletin, light reveals the problem. There are three classic ways that we deal with problems, and they are all seen in the story of Matthew chapter 2. It's fascinating. We see the three classic ways that all of us tend to deal with problems. We either deal with the problem, we destroy the problem, or we deny the problem. We deal with it, we destroy it, we deny it. So, the Magi are heading towards the light. And as they get into the light, they're seeing more and more of their own problems. They're seeing the truth about themselves. They're dealing with the problem. What does Herod do? Herod was a powerful guy. Herod was a smart guy. Herod was a rich guy. He's one of, one of the greatest builders, one of the greatest architects of his day. He was a phenomenal politician. All, the guy was amazing. He was amazingly miserable, too. And his deal is, is every time there was a problem, he just destroyed it, even if it meant his own family members. He would kill his wives. He would kill his sons. He, ki he just killed everything. So the way he dealt with problems, he destroyed it. Let's get rid of it. And then finally, did you catch the other, the third way? The Bible scholars. Like, 
Herod says, where is the Messiah to be? Magi come and say, we're here looking for the king. And so Herod calls in the Bible scholars. Immediately. It wasn't like they had to, they knew it. They really knew the Bible. Like those guys had memorized the first five books of the Bible. It's a lot of words. They had it memorized. They knew their Bible really well. They didn't have this, we all know, five miles down the road, five miles from Jerusalem in a town called Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah is going to be born. Do they go? Are they like, yes, let's go check this out. The Bible scholars who are supposed to be excited about like things of God in the world. They're like, no, we just, you know, let's have another potato chip or something, right? They're so apathetic. They ignored it. They, did not, they weren't interested in stepping into the light. So what you have is the Magi are dealing with the problem. They're moving towards the light. Herod is destroying it. And here are the Bible scholars, the ones that you would think would be running are just totally denying the light. Now, here, this story, everybody, just to be clear, this story, the Christmas story, is the story about how broken lives get fixed. It's what it's all about. In John's version of the story, John chapter 1, verse number 1, he says these words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word, that's Jesus. Jesus is the Word, like Jesus is the truth. Right? We're told at other places in the Bible that the truth, the word, the Bible, the laws that are written actually expose, like they shine a light on my need for God and on my sinfulness. Now, a lot of us get really nervous when we talk about sin, right? We don't like to hear it. You know, that's probably because we, we have encountered somebody in a real arrogant way who's talking about us being sinners rather than themselves being sinners. Let's not be nervous of the word sin. The word sin actually, by definition, simply means to miss the mark. Now, we're not perfect, right? And uh, I know I'm not perfect, and most of us in this room know we're not perfect. And if you don't, other people around you definitely know that you're not perfect, right? But, okay, so we're not perfect. All right, that, that seems much easier to take. There's an imperfection about us. So we need help. We have a need. We have a, we have a problem in our lives. It goes on. It says, uh, verse 14, the Word became flesh. Well, that's Christmas, the truth, the light, the word, Jesus, the word becomes flesh. That's Christmas. Then this verse, which I never understood, actually this week, it's amazing. It's always something new to learn and see and be revealed. In him, Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That last piece is the piece I've never understood. Light shines in the darkness and the darkness like darkness is like oh, I can't understand this what does that mean that darkness can't understand until we step into the light you know there's there's no understanding it's kind of like have you ever gone into a room and you're looking for something you're too busy and you said I'm not gonna turn the light on you ever done that before and you spill things and you break things and you find all kinds of things with your shins, like stuff that you didn't know furniture was in the room. It's just like your shin is like locating it everywhere. Boom, boom, right? Because you wouldn't take the time to turn on. So there's no understanding. There's pain. There's confusion. There's frustration because we don't take a moment. So, you know, I know, I know somebody and uh, their, their, their life is a wreck. Their life is a wreck. And predominantly their, their lives of their family like their close family, complete wreck, and they can't understand what's the problem. They can't understand what's the problem. Why, 
Why is the relationships in my family, the ones who they say they love so much and are so close to, why are we a complete wreck? And do you know why? Because this person has this huge problem and is unwilling to deal with it or wreck. Maybe because they're afraid, maybe because they're embarrassed, I don't know, but they won't deal with it. And the sad truth is, is they'll probably go to the grave confused without understanding about why their relationships are a wreck and it all comes back to one simple thing they won't deal with the problem. They either want to deny the problem, ignore the problem, or they want to do the other thing. They get mad and they get angry when the problem comes up and they try to destroy it. Do you know anybody like that? You know anybody anytime you have like an issue? Ah, you know, all of a sudden, like, boom, right? So we deny or we try to destroy it instead of dealing with it like the Magi. And that is what this story is so much about. So in my... Uh, relationship with my beautiful wife over here. You know, there'll be times when she'll say, uh, you know, you, in our conversations, you're too loud. And I say, no, I'm not. Your your tone is too harsh. I say, no, it's not. Right? You need to change your attitude when you talk to me. What are you talking about? There's nothing wrong. And she's, she's like a big flashlight. And it's like the batteries in the flashlight or energizer batteries. They just don't go out. And it's very bright. And they just kind of keep shining down. And it's a no-win situation, although I always think I can win. I never do, right? <laughs> but the light just shines, right? It's like, it's like looking into a mirror. So you're looking into a mirror. And you see the raw and real truth. You have to do it. That's what light does. Light reveals what the truth is. Other people can help us understand the truth, right? It can help us understand the truth. There was, a, there was a store that caught a lot of flack not too long ago. It made the papers and the news and everything. Mirrors. They have mirrors. It's a store where you buy clothes. And they installed without telling anybody these mirrors that actually make you look a lot skinnier. And they didn't tell anybody this, right? And this caused a big problem. But mirrors are supposed to show us what the, what the truth is. Other people do that, but predominantly, it comes from God. And God shines his light on us. He exposes our problems, and then we have a decision to make. We have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. Everybody knows you have to deal with your problems. So there's the next point to write down. Deal with the problem. Be like the Magi. Don't deny it. Don't destroy it. Deal with the problem. Psalm 27 says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He's my light. The thing about the Magi is, is they don't bow down and worship Jesus because somebody else sees the light, because somebody else sees their, right? I'm really happy when somebody else sees their problem. You know what I'm saying? But the reason they bow down and worship is because they saw their own light and they saw their own need. And it caused them to bow down and to worship. They dealt with their own problem. The light came on for those walking in darkness. It's wonderful. And when this happens, salvation takes place. Our relationships are rescued if I am willing to step into the light. I asked Krista this past week. I said, hey, Krista, um, I'm looking for examples like from our lives, our own lives, our own marriage, or just the world in general. Like, can you give me examples of people or whatever that when they're confronted with a problem, like how do they react? And she immediately says, yeah, every time we have a problem, you don't want to talk about it. 
I, I said, well, do you want to think about that a few more minutes? Or do you, you want to ponder that? Because maybe you need to think that through just, you know, a little, a little, and it happened so quickly. You said that so freely. <laughs> One night, it was late, uh, very late, and I came down the steps at, at our house, and I had to go to the kitchen and grab, I was so tired, and I just wanted to go to bed. You know what I'm saying? I just want to go to the bed. And as I walked past the living room, kind of past it, I suspicioned there was a problem in the living room. And uh, I was pretty sure my suspicions were right, but I was so tired. I didn't want to deal with it. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to turn the light on to see what the problem was. Do you know what I'm saying? I just want to go to bed. I just wanted to ignore it, and hopefully magically the problem would, would go away. So uh, I got whatever I needed in the kitchen, and I actually headed back up the steps. I got halfway up the steps, and I said, oh, gosh. So I walked down, went to the living room, and clicked, turned on the light. And sure enough... That dumb, stupid dog. Yes, yes, Cowboys fan. That dumb, stupid dog had gone to the bathroom all over. And my first thought was, if I don't deal with it, will it just go away? I mean, and then my second thought was even much better. I said, I could destroy the dog. I could get rid of the dog. I could get rid of the dog, which actually is a very good thought. A very good thought. But... I would have a problem over here, and that problem is very strong, and it just doesn't go. It just, just never goes away. And so I, I had to deal with the problem. I didn't want to, but I dealt with the problem. It was painful too, you know what I'm saying? But I dealt with the problem, and when I did, salvation returned to our house. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? This is... Yes, we, th- this, is what, this is what we need. Okay. 1 John 1, this is such a beautiful verse of Scripture. It's so practical and powerful for our lives, everybody. Look what it says. God is light, right? God exposes stuff in our lives, our problems, whatever. God is light. In Him, there's no darkness at all. So there's clarity of understanding about who we are and where we stand and the depths of our sin, right? All those things. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie, And we do not live out the truth. Now, here comes the part. Ready for this? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Focus on that. This is so true. This is just basic relational truth. If we will deal with our problems, our relationships get better. Right? Denying them, destroying them does not work. It doesn't work with our relationship with God. It doesn't work with our relationship with others. And it says that if we will step into, if we're willing to step into the light and deal with the problem, that then we can have a real relationship, one with another. But that relationship that we so seek, like, why are my relationships bad? We've got to deal with the issue. And if we do, our relationships benefit for that because we walk in the light. And the question is, are you willing to do that? That's what Christmas is all about. It's how broken lives get fixed. This is the Christmas story. We sang O Holy Night. I'd like to read you these words, just a few of them from O Holy Night that we sang a few moments ago. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared. And what happened? And the soul felt its worth. 
A lot of times we think that if we step into the light, and this is the kind of the way it works in the world, right? You don't want your private things to be exposed because you would be embarrassed and humiliated. And so we transfer that same thing upon God. And actually, the opposite takes place. When we step into God's light, instead of us feeling humiliated and worthless, we find ourselves feeling tremendous worth. So don't allow that to stop you stepping into the light. How many marriages, everybody, would rejoice if two people stepped into the light and dealt with their problems and got really honest with each other? This is how it works. How many families, like the family I told you about a few moments ago, how many families could rejoice in the salvation of stepping into the light of the glory of God and dealing with their problems? How many how many friends, how many communities, how many nations would rejoice in their salvation because they dealt with the problem and they stepped into the light? We've been talking a little bit as a basis for this just because uh, I'm thinking so much about racial reconciliation as we begin on January 8th, and I don't want to give away all my messages, but my brain is just there so much. I'm thinking about somebody I told you a few weeks ago who we've actually invited to come speak. His name is Brian Stevenson, and he's one of the leading voices on racial reconciliation. And this is what he says. He says, you know what? You go, you go to Germany, and they'll take you to the concentration camps. And they'll say, look at this. They've made memorials out of the country. And they said, let's talk about it. We've got to talk about it so this never happens again. And so they'll take you there. You can go see them, visit them. And he says, but here in America... We don't talk about it. And there's all these sites where horrific things took place, but we don't want to talk about it. So what he's beginning to do with the Equal Justice Initiative is he's beginning to make memorials where atrocities took place so that we could talk. We don't want to talk about it. That took place a long time ago. Why do we have to talk about it? Let's just not talk about it. That won't solve the problem. It just leads to a bigger problem. Do you know what I'm saying? So we have to talk about it. We deal with the problem. And it takes a lot of courage. But we've got to do it if we want to get fixed. Christmas is how broken lives get fixed. Stepping into the light of Almighty God who reveals what's going on in our lives and we talk about it and we fix it. Ephesians chapter 5. This is also such a beautiful scripture. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, watch this, watch this. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. How many nations would rise from the dead if they stepped into the light and they dealt with their problems? Like they just got raw and real and done. How many marriages would rise from the dead if they stepped, if both parties stepped into the light and said, let's talk about it. Let's not ignore it. Let's not destroy it. Let's not deny it. Let's deal with it. How many marriages would rise? How many friendships would rise from the dead? How many communities would rise from the dead if we dealt with the true story of Christmas? the light of Jesus Christ. What if we did that? All right, finally, I want to encourage you to keep walking in the light. Keep walking in the light. Psalm 27, I read this a few moments ago, but notice this, the Lord is my light. Whose light is he? It's mine, my light. I need light. I'm very happy to say that you need light, but the reality is, is 
I need light. And when I have light, what happens? He is my salvation because I need salvation. Psalm 13, look at this verse. Beautiful. I know this takes tremendous courage. I know it's fearful. In the world we live in, it's the only way broken lives get fixed. And it's the story of Christmas. Psalm 13. Oh, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes. Whose eyes? My eyes. What do I need? I need light. Or I will sleep the sleep of death. Well, that's not good. That's definitely not good. I need God to shine his light on me. Show me the depth of my sin and my problems and all of that stuff. That's what I need. Not you. I need it for me. And if that happens to me, think about it if everybody did that. Think about it if everybody responded that way and then they came to the table of reconciliation. Would we solve our issues so much faster if we came in the awe that the Magi did who bowed down and worshiped God because they stepped into the light and they saw their own need, the depth of their own need, and they came in in awe of God and humility? Things would get better a whole lot faster. Will you keep walking in the light? All right, let's end with this. Are you excited about Christmas? All right, good. Three people here are really excited about <laughs> Christmas is, uh, is, is, is very exciting. Uh, do you remember a time, for those of us, the rest of us in the room, do you remember a time when you were really, really excited about Christmas? I want you to think about this. Why do you get really excited about Christmas? I mean, what causes you to feel tremendous excitement and anticipation and joy about the story of Christmas? And, and also, think about what, what causes you to kind of feel bored? Now, I'm, you know, I've heard the story, <laughs> right? I, I was talking to somebody this past week about a story. He says, yeah, I've heard it all my life. I've heard it. It doesn't really do anything for me, Right? I bet there's a bunch of us in the room that are that way. So are you excited about Christmas? And can you recall a time when you were like really, really excited? And what was, what was the difference there? And I just want to suggest something. I think, I think I might be right. We get really excited about Christmas because we needed something. We needed something. We needed something very desperate. Can you remember a time when you needed something like a toy or a gadget? Like... You just can't live unless you have that thing. And, and, and you had excitement because there was the idea that maybe you might get that thing. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? When I was about 11, 12 years old, I really wanted a motorcycle. Badly. Like really badly. So, um, yes, it was, it was great. We, uh, we grew up, from the time I was four or five, we had little mini bikes. Honda used to make this little tiny, tiny mini bike, and we had two of them. One was uh, red and one was blue, and loved it. They're very slow. And one of my earliest memories of life is we, we grew up on South Taylor Street right over here. Sunday morning, mom and dad are getting ready for church, and we're out riding the mini bikes, and the police caught us. And so knock, knock, knock on the door Sunday morning. <laughs> I caught your kids, you know. So I wanted a motorcycle because we could outrun the cops on the motorcycle. Because <laughs> The mini bikes were just way too slow. I wanted the motorcycle. I wanted it so badly. I had a need, and I was so excited. I was so energized. I was so in awe of Christmas because I thought I might get that motorcycle. And you know what? I did get that motorcycle. And I have no idea what I did with that motorcycle. I mean, I rode it for years and excited about it, but then, I don't know, did we give it away? Did we sell it? Did we throw it away? I have no idea. It kind of came and it went because I no longer felt like I was in need of it. Art. 
Are you in need? Are you in need of Jesus? Here's the big difference. It's all, everything comes down to this. If Christmas is just kind of a, oh, whatever. If you don't see yourself like the Magi, like you're in awe. Are you in awe of Jesus this morning? Like, I can't believe I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I can't even believe it. It's phenomenal. I am in awe of Jesus Christ. Here's how you get there. You have to see a deep need for Jesus. And if you don't see a deep need, a deep, deep need, like if you don't, if the light doesn't, if the light doesn't come on and you're like, oh my gosh, the depths of my sins and imperfections, I deeply need Jesus Christ. If that doesn't happen, Christmas is kind of just about gifts or just another boring day or it's a story you've heard before. But when that light comes on, like it did for the Magi, and they're like, whoa! I need God desperately in my life. Now, here's what happens. We hear that story, and maybe there's a time when we're like, oh, yes, I really need Jesus. But for some reason, we wander. Away. Do you know what I'm saying? We kind of wander away from that light. And we're like, okay. I needed him at one time. Now other people need him, but I've been, I've, I've been fixed. I've been redeemed. I want to say something about redemption here real quick. All right, everybody? Have you, have you ever been to a place where they tow your car, and they impound it, and they put it like in car purgatory? Some of these places are called redemption centers. You look, redemption centers. Here's something about the redemption center when you go and pick up your, you pick up your car. Right? You cover the cost. You get it out by paying whatever. How much does it cost today? 200 bucks to get your car out, whatever. Here's the thing that I've noticed. When you get, when you get your car out, they haven't fixed the car. You know, they weren't so kind to fix the headlights and the mufflers and all. Like the car still has major problems. Actually, it might even have a few more problems. Okay, you know what I'm saying? But the car hasn't been fixed. The car is in still of need of repair. It's just been redeemed. And Jesus Christ says he covers us, but we still stand in great need. And the story of the Bible actually is this. The closer you get to the light, like the Apostle Paul talks about in Scripture, the more you see your need, not the less. It grows greater, and you get more. So it's like the Magi, they knew. They knew as they headed to the west, they needed Jesus. But the closer they got, the more in all they got of him because the need became greater. Are you willing are you willing to step into that kind of light? Because there's the difference between Christmas being boring and just another story that your mama and your daddy believed in and you've heard all your life and what's the big deal? And all of a sudden your eyes open and saying, oh my gosh, God became a human being and I have a great need and without him I am nothing. I feel like falling down, oh holy night, and worshiping him because I'm in a great need. Need. Deep, deep need. Well, I think I can spice up your Christmas. I think I, think I can spice your Christmas up, and I think I can spice my Christmas up, and here's how, here's how it's going to happen, and I'll close with this. It all happened the night I got arrested in Brussels, Belgium. Everything I... So much I know about life happened on that night I got arrested in Brussels. And I've told this story before, but I just want to go to the part that's really pertinent for a night. So I won't talk about the drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. Just joking. So I get arrested. It was a passport issue, like midnight. They haul me down in a real tough area of Brussels, back of a squad car. I don't think they handcuffed me for some reason. They take me in, fingerprint, mugshot, whole thing. Three o'clock in the morning, they come and get me really kind of roughly, and uh, they throw me out the door. And they're like, get out. 
And there I am all by myself. And uh, I knew one thing. I mean, I didn't know anything about Brussels. I'm 18 years old. I know nothing about this city. I don't know what, what's going on here. And they just said train station that way. And that was it. That's all the help they gave me. But I knew this much. I was in a tough area of town. I knew that much. I was that smart. I looked around me and says, whoa, this is bad. Anybody ever see the old Richard Pryor movie? I can't remember the name of it where he's in prison. What was the name of that? And he's walking in prison. And he knew he had to act really tough so nobody would mess with him. He's like, yeah, I'm bad, man. You know what I'm saying? Bad. <laughs> Well, that was me. I mean, I'm, I'm 18 years old, and I'm walking through the streets, and there's all kinds of eyes looking at me. I'm like, oh, man, I'm here. Go ahead, man. You know, I knew what I was doing and where I was going because I had to fight. So I, I, I walked for an hour, made it to this train station where there is a police officer there. Great. And this 18-year-old kid, Belgium kid, comes up and talks to me, and ju- he's telling me his life story for an hour. And his life is so messed up, so messed up. And he's just going on and on and on and on. Somehow he turns the conversation to God, which he does not believe in God, and he doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't believe in any of it. And I just simply say to him, I said, well, you know, okay, you know what you could do, to, you could you do about this if you want, because he kept going on, and his life's a total mess. It's a train wreck, and everybody can see that. I said to him, I said, you know what? Why don't you say, why don't you say to God, God, I don't believe in you. I know there's no way you're going to answer this prayer. But if by the smallest chance you are real, show me the depth of my need for Jesus Christ in my life. And man, his eyes bugged out of his head. He got so afraid. And he's like, no way. There's no, I said, why? What are you afraid of? No way. I'm not going to ask God to show me the depth of my need and my sin. I'm no way I'm going to do that. And he walks away, goes away. And I was happy, to be honest with you, because I'm an introvert and I hate talking to people. <laughs> and it allowed me to go sit in a corner and just kind of recuperate from the night. You know what I'm saying? But here's, here, here, here's, here's how it works. You want to spice up your Christmas? I got good news and bad news for you. Let's do the bad news first. You're never going to win Powerball. Forget it. You're not, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. The odds are all against you, so forget that prayer. Stop praying about it. It's not going to work. Here's the good news. This is God's top priority. This is the only thing that really matters to God because it's how broken things get fixed. You, like the wise men, pursue God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and you say, God... Show me my sin. Show me the light of my sin. Show me the depth. Now, somebody's saying, I'm never going to do that because I don't believe in God. I don't really believe in this whole Christmas story. Okay, all right, okay. You pray that prayer. Let's talk in a week. Because I want you to pray the prayer like this, like braced, because he's coming. This is one prayer that God answers. And if you want to pursue it like the Magi and get serious and you want to understand the awe and the necessity for Jesus Christ, this is the only way it's coming. The only way it's coming is the light of Christmas where he shines down upon us and says, oh yeah, and then you stand in awe. Other than that, it's just a ridiculous story. That's empty and very, very weak. But if you want to know what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you've got to know the depth of your need for God. And he will help you with that because it's the number one most important thing. Some of us want all kinds of stuff cleaned up in our lives, and I hope stuff gets cleaned up in our lives. But the thing that matters more than anything else to God is that your relationship with God and my relationship with God is reconciled. And that only happens, everybody because he shines his light on us. Now, I'm going to ask the music team to come up, and we're going to sing Old Holy Night. It's a wonderful song. It's a powerful song, and I wanted to say, I want to read these words, and I want to say something I said just a few minutes ago, because it's really important, because some of us are very nervous right now, like, hey, man, <laughs> I'm not going to do it.
I'm not going to pray that God would shine his light on me and I would see the depth of my need. I get the argument. I see the practicality of it, but I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid of doing that. I want to read these words to you again. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared, until he appeared, and my soul felt its worth. My soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morning. Fall on your knees and hear the angels' voices. Here's the thing. In our world, when you step into the light and people see you who, for who you are, that's a scary thing. It's a humiliating thing. It's an embarrassing thing. Not in God's world. God's kingdom is not our kingdom. We're talking two different kingdoms. And when you step into his light, all of a sudden you feel tremendous worth. I've been reading... The story of President Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, in preparation for the Racial Reconciliation Series because he was such a major role in that. Hey, everybody, do you know every single one of us in this room at some level feels a depth of insecurity and worthlessness? And President Johnson had massive problems. The guy made it to the top of the top. Massive problems. So let's not fool ourselves. We want to know our worth. And I'm going to tell you, here's how you find your worth according to the scriptures. You step into the light. And until you step into the light of God and you deal with that and you just stand there raw before God, then all of a sudden you understand your value and worth and you will strive. You'll do dumb things. You'll do crazy things looking for it. And just like Johnson did. He did I'm going to tell you all kinds of stories about this guy. Just crazy stuff that he did. But this is how you find your true worth and this is how your soul finds rest. If you'll step into the light, there's no other way to it. I don't have any special formula for you today. It's Almighty God like the Magi. I'm going to seek with all my heart and pray, God, all week long, now till Christmas Day, would you shine your light on me? Some of you have never accepted Christ as Savior. You've never stepped into that light. You've never seen your need. I'm, I prayed on my way this morning that many of us in this room that all of a sudden the light, the light of Jesus Christ would just come down. And if that's you today, I encourage you to pray a prayer and say, I've seen the light, Jesus. I've seen my need. And I'm trusting you. I'm trusting the story of Christmas. Make my relationship right with you. Our prayer team is going to be right on this wall over here. They'd love to pray with you if you'd like somebody to. But if not, you can just pray right in your own seat as we sing this song, O Holy Night. If you're new or relatively new, I'd love to meet you right over here at Grace and Five. Let me pray, and then we're going to stand and sing. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you're so gracious to send the light to us. Our lives are in turmoil. We have problems until finally we step into the light and we deal with the situation. And I thank you that you give us a path towards reconciliation and fixing the brokenness in our lives. God, may all of us have the courage to come before you with urgency and say, God, shine your light on me so that I might find my salvation and stand in awe of Jesus Christ. In your holy name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.